Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given by Tom Job on Friday, April 7th, 2023 for our Good Friday service, remembering the sufferings of Jesus. was arrested, um, he said to them, I've been in the temple every day teaching. Why didn't you arrest me then? And I just thought about that, just Jesus going to the temple and everybody just listening to him. That When there's a story in John chapter 8 of a woman that was having an affair with a person and some people were going to try to trap her and they were really trying to trap Jesus and they were going to drag her in front of him and make him make a call about it. But it was before the sun come up, came up and they knew exactly where he would be. They went and found him in the temple before the dawn and he was teaching people things and it says all the people were there before the sun came up and I, you know, I, I wonder if I would have been there. Would I have gotten up early to hear him? I hope I would have, but um, I think about what he must have been teaching them. Matthew said people were amazed at his teaching. Mark said they were astonished at it. I think that he was probably teaching about his favorite subject, the kingdom of God and telling them that there is a kingdom, it's a parallel kingdom. It's not like the kingdoms of this world. It's a kingdom that is ruled by love and not by power. It's a kingdom where the most important in it are the ones who serve everyone, not the ones who boss everyone. It's a kingdom where the king doesn't present himself as high and mighty, but as he said, as meek and lowly of heart. You know, I think in the last few years, I've been spending a lot of just my own time studying the teachings of Jesus and the words of Jesus, because I think in confusing times for followers of Jesus, they've never mattered more than now. And last week I was reading a book and this book said that New Testament scholars even those who don't believe in the divinity of Jesus and don't really believe that he rose from the dead are almost all of them convinced that Jesus died executed by crucifixion. And when I read that, I thought, it was so weird. I thought, what? What? They did that to him. And then I thought, yes, they did. I w it was weird. I was shocked by it. I mean, I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I think about it all the time. I talk about it all the time. But I think it might, it's something that might have gotten nestled in my heart as number three of the four spiritual laws 
Number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, we've all done a million things and are guilty of a million things we can't pay for. Number three, Jesus was almighty God who became a human being to die on the cross and pay for our sins. But just to think that he was love and that he taught us to love. And as the Christmas carol said, surely he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. How could it be that, an or that, that a group of people, an orchestrated group of people, arrested him and beat him and stripped him and tortured him and drove nails into his hands and nails into his feet and in a public and explicit way humiliated him and executed him. How is it, how, why is it that people do horrible things How is, it, how is it that normal people do horrible things? How is it that horrible, that normal people can become horrible people? How is it possible that in 1994, in Rwanda, a tribal group of majority Christians killed 800,000 members of another tribal group of majority Christians, allegedly brothers and sisters in Christ, in 100 days. How is it possible that normal people do horrible things? A few years ago, I was at a US military base in Germany doing a young life thing. And it was near where we went to see where they had all of the facilities for the 1936 Olympics. They were, they, it was up in the woods. We went to the stadium of what they called the Nazi Olympics. And we saw the stadium where they had the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies and the ski jump. And it was still covered with the iconography of Nazi ideology. And if you just squinted your eyes, you could just imagine dozens of Nazi flags waving in the wintry, snowy breeze. And I thought, how is it possible that normal people did such horrible things? How is it possible? There was a there was a woman in her church in Italy and she was about, she came to know Jesus when she was about 56. The, the only English she knew was she knew the song You Are My Sunshine that she had learned from um, American GIs that were stationed there, that were fighting the Nazis and the fascists up the peninsula. And she told me one day, she used to walk to school when she was about 11, she, she was walking to the school outside of her town in Monticatini, and there was a stretch of her walk that went through the woods, and she was walking through the woods, and she turned a corner, and there were 23 soldiers who had become a part of the, of the resistance, a part of the resistance 
against the Nazis and against the fascists and who had joined to fight with the Americans and the British and the Nazis had hung them. And she said, it's a sight that I will never forget. And I just think, how is it possible that normal people come to a place where they do horrible things? In 2017, Tina and I went with our kids to, um, to Washington, D.C., and we went to the, um, the Museum of, Amer of African American History. And there was a place where there was a long line, and it was a wait of about 45 minutes to an hour. And everybody in the line was my age or older. And they were waiting to see some artifacts from the funeral of Emmett Till. And I, I feel like they felt like they had to be there. But I just thought, how is it possible that seemingly normal people do such horrible things? And I know people say, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. I think the word of God says that we have to think about it. There's a place in the New Testament that says that a person could have such an attitude that it would be the same as crucifying Jesus over again. I could do horrible things. In the Gospel of Luke, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus from the time that he began to carry his cross down the streets of Jerusalem until he was taken down from it. Take 23 verses to tell the story of how Jesus was arrested until he was condemned. The story of how they got to that point took 56 verses. In the Gospel of Matthew, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus takes 29 verses. The story of how they got there takes 70 verses. In the Gospel of Mark, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus took 16 verses. The story of how they got there. The story of how people could do such a thing. I think that God wants us to understand it. It took 70 verses. The cross when a beam of light hits a prism of glass, it breaks the light, it reflects the light into all of its various colors. I think the cross of Jesus is like that. Except I think the cross of Jesus does the same for a beam of darkness. I think it breaks it into and refracts it into all of the colors of darkness. I think one of the colors, as I read through the story, as I read through those chapters, as I read through those verses of how they got to that place where normal people, seemingly normal people, did the most horrible thing, I think one of the colors of darkness is time. It takes time to get to that place. If I get used to cruel words, 
if I get used to cruel jokes, if I get used to cruel friends, it could change me. When Jesus was pronounced, when they pronounced the condemnation of death, it says that people slapped him. I get the feeling that people just didn't really know what to do. And somebody, well, no, it didn't say, it didn't say that slapped them. At first it says that they spit on him. And I just get the feeling that they weren't quite sure what to do. And then somebody just walked up and they had probably never done it to anybody in their entire life, but they just spit on him. It's like, if you're the light of the world, this is my contribution to extinguishing you. And then other people just followed, I'm going to do that too. And they began to spit on him. And people that had never spit on anybody in their life. And then somebody slapped him. And then other people slapped him. And then somebody punched him. And then other people punched him. But they punched him in a way that they took his clothes and they put them over their face because they didn't have the courage to punch him and look at the face that they were punching. And then they began to make fun of him for it. And then they turned it over to Roman authorities. And they were so far down that road. It says that they flogged him. It's a process that I can't even talk about because people died from it. They didn't even think twice about it. And then after they had done something that people often died from, they propped him up in a chair. They put a cloak on him and they put a crown on him, a crown of thorns that were two inches long and they crushed it into his head. And then they got down and pretended like they were worshiping him. I mean, how do you get to be like that? How could people be like that? And then they took his stick and they beat him with it. The Nazis didn't just come and load people into train cars. They started by giving people yellow stars. And then they closed their businesses. And then they burned their synagogues. I remember in Harlem, Netherlands, Casper Ten Boom, an 85-year-old man who gave his life for, with his daughters and his son for participating in an underground railroad where they saved the lives of 900 Jews, stood in line. It was 100 degrees for four hours to get his yellow star. And a neighbor said, Casper, you're not a Jew. Why are you getting a star? And he said, if we all got them, they couldn't tell us apart. One of the colors of darkness is time. One of the colors of darkness is crowds. As you read the story, there are various characters and protagonists in the story. But one of the characters, it almost seems like a character, is the crowd. The crowd that people could stir up. The crowd when Pilate said, what do we do with Jesus? And somebody who had probably never said this word in their entire life said, crucify him. And the crowd began to say, crucify him. And Pilate said, what has he done? And they, the crowd just yelled louder, crucify him. If people that are 
around me say things, I guess it's okay to say them. If they do things, I guess it's okay to do them. If they are a certain way, I guess it's okay to be that. One of the strongest colors of darkness is fear. When people begin to fear that they might lose something that they perceive is theirs, they might be capable of anything. There was people that were in positions of spiritual authority that they, that, that they had inherited, that they were the ones who said this, what is right and what is wrong. They were the ones who said what matters and what didn't. They were the ones who said who was included and who was excluded. And then to have this person preaching this message of love everyone and forgive everyone and let us include everyone. And they thought, if you think you're going to take what it is my right to have, you're not. Pilate was a person of great power. He had fought to have great power. He knew that Jesus was innocent. His wife had had a dream about it. But he thought, I fought hard for the power I have. I am not going to lose it over this. The a people who know that as the New Testament says, everything that we have is a gift. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And by believing in Jesus, his love has won me. His love has bought me. He owns me. His love owns me. And nothing that I have belongs to me. My body doesn't belong to me. My life doesn't belong to me. My time doesn't belong to me. My money doesn't belong to me. People who know that nothing really belongs to them are not afraid of anything. But I think for some people, the idea of God, a general idea of God, they're fine with. But a, a person in this world who walked around and said that he was God on earth and with his love claimed things that people thought were theirs but never were. It was too much. When Jesus was arrested, he said to them, have you come to arrest me like I'm a robber? Like I've come to take something from you? When Pilate, he had a custom to release criminal, a criminal of the people's choice to pacify them for one more year. And he said, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist, or Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 27, it says in some of the manuscripts of the New Testament that Barabbas' first name was a very common name. His name was also Jesus. And he was saying to them, do you want this Jesus or that Jesus? Do you want the Jesus who will fight 
for what is yours? Or who do you want that Jesus, who through love has come to claim what you thought was yours, but never was? When people view love as a threat, they're capable of anything. And you think, was it there, like, was it there any light in the darkest of all days? And there was. It wasn't a person in a crowd. It was a person who stood out of a crowd. He had been a member of a band of insurrectionists. He had actually been a member of a mob of people who were mocking Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he realized, I'm not the person that I've said that they said I am. And Jesus is not the person that they say he is. I am a sinner. And above his head, it says he is king. And people are calling he saved other people. He's a savior. He's the Lord. He has been offering forgiveness. And he turned to Jesus and said, could I have some of that? Would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in the kingdom of love. And for the rest of his entire life, he lived in nothing but a heart of thing. It might not have been a long one. It might have only been an hour and 40 minutes. It might have only been 40 minutes. But for the rest of his entire life, he lived in thankfulness to Jesus who had forgiven his sins. There was another man. He was a centurion. And he was there. And when Jesus breathed his last, he said, this is the son of God. He was the one, he understood that Jesus, that, that they hadn't taken his life, but he was the son of God and that he had come to give it. And I believe that he was the one who before Jesus had breathed his last breath, had taken a sponge and put it on a spear to quench his thirsts because in his heart there was growing a heart of love. I love him. He's given his life for me. If it's just those two things that I would live every day of my life with a heart of thankfulness to Jesus Christ because he gave himself to take my sins away and I love him and I love him, those aren't the people that would ever do anything ugly. Those are the ones who have filled the world with love. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I would cherish the old 
rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Oh that old rugged cross So despised by the world Has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I will cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Wondrous beauty I see For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died To pardon and sanctify me So I will cherish cross till my trophies at last I lay down and I will cling to the old 